Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, I'm Jason Luke from the UPMC Hillman Cancer Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'd like to welcome you to our discussion today surrounding frontline treatment of a patient with BRAF wild-type metastatic melanoma. What is the optimal immune checkpoint inhibitor regimen? Hi, and I'm Elizabeth Bookbinder. I'm a melanoma medical oncologist at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dr. Bookbinder. Thank so you. we'll go over our case. This patient with BRAF wild-type metastatic melanoma is a 64-year-old woman who is diagnosed with a T4A melanoma on the posterior left calf. Patient underwent a wide local excision and sentinel lymph node evaluation, and this was negative. At the time, there was no adjuvant therapy that would be offered to such a patient. The patient went on to have recurrence of disease with multiple pulmonary, nodal, and L-spine lesions. Patient was asymptomatic, but the lactate dehydrogenase was elevated. Biopsy of a nodal metastasis showed BRAF wild-type status with a mutation in NRAS at Q61R and staining as PDL1 positive in the tumor. So we'll come back to directly how we'll manage this patient in just a second. But to level set, we're going to go through a few data points to outline how we think about managing patients with melanoma. And we now have long-term survival data for multiple immune checkpoint inhibitors in the management of metastatic melanoma with the seminal Checkmate 067 clinical trial demonstrating a five-year overall survival for anti-PD-1 with nivolumab at 44%. And this was very similar to what was seen in the Keynote 006 study of pembrolizumab at 38.7% with combination immunotherapy again from checkmate 067 we know again that five year overall survival was 52 percent and even with longer follow-up beyond that we know that patients can have durable survival over a long period of time now one question that arises when we think about the use of combination pd1 plus ctla4 immunotherapy is the side effect profile which is substantially more toxic than a pd1 monotherapy approach and a number of clinical trials now have looked at what we call flipped dosing of ipinevo to use a lower dose of ipilimumab and a higher dose of anti-pd1 and we published a series comparing these various regimens a few years ago and to summarize that briefly it's essentially the case that the overall clinical benefit appears to be maintained using the flipped dose of ipinevo when compared with the sort of standard dose that we usually use. And a randomized phase three clinical trial called the Checkmate 511 study showed this kind of a result. And several single arm cohorts from a clinical trial called Keynote 29 also supported that. So in my clinical practice, I commonly use that flipped dose of ipinevo in the attempt to reduce the toxicity associated with the combination immunotherapy. And of course, in melanoma, we have a new combination regimen as well with the approval of relatlimab in combination with nivolumab. And those data that supported that approval came from the Relativity 047 clinical trial, which randomized patients to receive nivolumab and relatlimab versus nivolumab and a placebo. And those data hit the primary endpoint for progression-free survival, showing more than a doubling of PFS, as well as an absolute increase of approximately 10% in the response rate. 
In that clinical trial, we've now learned that it did not meet the pre-specified statistical threshold for overall survival. However, there was what appeared to be a clinically meaningful difference in that regard. And of course, patients could, after progression on the trial, go on to get other treatments that would not have been available, say, at the time of Checkmate 067. So we now have three different immune checkpoint inhibitor options with PD-1, PD-1 plus CTLA-4, and PD-1 plus LAG-3. Long-term data suggests that these regimens are all quite active in the BRAF wild-type population, with subgroup analysis from Checkmate 067, again, really emphasizing that overall survival advantage that's maintained out over a long period of time. So as we go back to our case then and think about how we'd manage this patient, just to rehash, this is a mid-60s-year-old lady who developed multifocal metastatic disease in lung, lymph nodes, and bone with elevated LDH and BRAF wild type. So having reviewed all that, Dr. Buckbinder, how would you think about your initial management and what factors would allow you to choose which of those regimens you think would be the best for this patient? So in terms of thinking about starting out a patient we think about how quickly we can get a response if they have a lot of symptoms associated with their disease. And in general, we do see the fastest response with standard dose ipinevo. And so as a result, if someone has a lot of symptoms, I'll think about that. The other factors that we look at in a patient like this are the LDH, whether that's elevated. And then in BRAF wild type patients, one of the things that's important from that ipinevo versus nevo alone data, the last slide that we saw, is the fact that the benefit for combination ipinevo was not as substantial in patients who had BRAF wild type melanoma, and that actually those patients often do very well on single agent PD-1 alone. In addition, there's the option of nevo and relatlimab, which we don't have as much long-term data on, but which shows benefit over single-agent PD-1 inhibition alone. So in a patient like this, we'll have a real discussion about side effects associated with each of these different regimens, deciding between single-agent PD-1 inhibition, PD-1 with relatlimab, or combination ipilimumab and nivolumab. And often in a patient like this, I'll favor either nivolumab and relatlimab or ipilimumab and nivolumab at the flip dosing in order to avoid toxicity. Yeah, I think those are really good points, and you highlighted a couple of different patient-specific um, factors that can really help to guide this. So I'd really emphasize those, again, just bring them to the forefront for those that are listening. You know, I think the really high-risk features that we think about in metastatic melanoma are the lactate dehydrogenase and the presence of brain mets being two really overriding factors. In addition to that, though, we do also take into account uh, issues around other sites of anatomy for metastases. So in my practice, my experience with bone metastases is they can be particularly difficult to manage, um, as well as the number of organ sites that are involved. And when we get to three or more organ sites, that also can be a predictor of high-risk disease. So in a patient like this, I would absolutely be leaning towards using combination immunotherapy. Uh, and as was alluded to, I think the question then becomes, um, you know, which of these regimens, um, full-dose ipinevo as we talk about it, flip-dose ipinevo, or nivolumab and relatlimab would be the best for the patient. 
And again, as was alluded to, I think there's it, a nuanced conversation here. And this is really where a conversation with a, a patient and what their goals are, are is really going to matter the most. Um, despite the randomized evidence, I think a lot of people still think that the full dose ipinevo packs a little bit bigger punch than the lower dose ipinevo. I'll say that in my practice, I almost exclusively use the low dose ipinevo, but some patients would say, well, give me the most powerful thing that you got. And of course, that comes with the toxicity profile of more than a 50% risk of immune-related adverse events if you use the full dose of ipinevo. And of course, then we have the newer data for nevo and relatlimab. Um, and I really use that regimen where I would have otherwise used anti-PD-1 monotherapy. And so here again, in a patient with elevated LDH and bone metastases, I probably would not use PD-1 monotherapy in such a patient. But um, you know, using Nevo plus Relatinab wouldn't be wrong there, but in my practice, I would probably bias towards using combination PD-1 and CTLA-4, whether it be at the full dose or at the flip dose uh, kind of an approach. Um, you know, one thing I think that's probably worth thinking about, Dr. Buckbinder, also, of course, is the sequencing of our therapies. Do you have any comments or want to make any, you know, considerations around, well, if you start with one, do you go to the other one if you need to, or what do we know about that space right now? Yeah, so that space is still an area that's really being figured out in terms of, we know that in patients who have previously had PD-1 inhibition, the response to Nevo and Velatlimab in the second line setting is only about 12%, so it's pretty low. Now, whether patients who receive Nevo and Relatlimab in the front line and then receive Ipinevo in the second line will do how those patients will do, we don't know. We know post-PD-1 response rates quite a bit higher in the 27, 30% range, but post Nevo and relatlimab, that data, there are only some case reports out there which suggest that perhaps it may be lower. I think we tend to think it might be higher. And so as a result, there's a little more comfort right now starting with Nevo and relatlimab and going to Ipinevo second line. But in truth, that we really don't have that data yet. Yeah, I think those are really important points. And I, I think it it emphasizes that while there's been transformative impact on the management of melanoma with immune checkpoint blockade, once we get into the second line, if our initial treatment doesn't work, it actually isn't the case that we're having curative intent for all of these patients. And it can become very difficult to figure out which treatment would be the best. And again, coming back to our case, then that's why we really use some of these initial uh, factors that are patient level factors like bone meds, like LDH, et cetera, to really drive at how we going to manage that toxicity versus efficacy consideration. And, and sometimes it's worth risking more side effects just because we're concerned that if we don't get the kind of benefit we need in that frontline setting, we may or may not really have a good option, you know, as we go on from there. So that's great. Any further comments about this case, Dr. Buckbunner? No, I think we've covered most of the, the dilemmas we have in terms of thinking about a frontline wild type BRAF patient with metastatic melanoma. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the good news coming out of this is that our expectation here is for long-term survival in 50% or more of such patients. And certainly that's a major change in our field over the last 10 to 15 years, which of course is good, but not quite good enough as we move forward with even more agents coming in the pipeline. So with that, I'd like to say thanks for participating and listening in our conversation. We hope it's valuable in the management of your patients in your practice. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.